Hello and welcome to Note Up number 124. I am your host, Bradley Furious. The show today is brought to you by Codeship and DigitalOcean. With me today are Dai Peng, sorry if I mispronounced your name, and Anna Hinnenson. So we will be talking about threading and how multi-threading can be coming to the Node.js and JavaScript environment today. Dai, could you introduce yourself, please? Hi, this is Dai Peng. I'm now serving in Microsoft AI and Research Division as a principal software engineer manager. So I'm a founder of the tech lead for the project Lapa.js, which is the multi-threaded JavaScript runtime, which can work together with Node.js. And my experience and interest include a large scale distributed system, machine learning, and a modern software architecture. I'm very happy to be here. Uh, so I'm Anna. I am a member of the Node.js Technical Steering Committee and a regular Node.js core contributor. And I'm here because I'm working on a workers implementation in a Farkov node that's called IO or IO or however you want to pronounce it, AYO. I'm still a student actually, having I'm doing my master's degree in math, and I'm glad to be here too. Okay, before we break into things, let's give a moment to hear from Codeship. Codeship is a hosted continuous integration platform in the cloud. Increase your development productivity and ship to production more frequently. Codeship lets you standardize your tooling and processes across your teams, speeds up your build times, and integrates into your existing ecosystem of tools. Codeship will be a great fit for your team. No matter if you want to speed up build times for your large apps, or if you want to set up complex delivery pipelines for your microservices using tools like Docker, Kubernetes, and others. Codeship has been ranked as a top five continuous integration vendor by the analysts over at Forrester. Visit Codeship.com to download the report for free. Spend less time managing your tools and speed up your software development. Give Codeship a try and sign up for free today at Codeship.com. Okay, now that we're back, the, the first thing I'd like to ask the two of you and just talk about is... JavaScript historically has been this single-threaded language, and why do we really want threads right now? We already can do some things in parallel, but what are threads bringing to the table? So, like, I mean, like, when, when I was doing some initial research from a work on workers in Node, the first question was, okay, what are the use cases? And, like, basically the only thing that really came up that, like, wasn't already doable with JavaScript is... It's like actual high-performance parallel computing where you like rely a lot of sh on sharing data between threads, and like every everything else like I/O stuff or any anything that needs to be asynchronous for some reason, that's things you already can do in JavaScript and like you you have been able to do for, for like forever, right? Yeah. Okay. Can also oh. add something like uh, how I how we start LavaJS on this topic. We actually we do the same uh, a different way. So actually we are not starting from JavaScript. We are thinking like uh, what actually can bring us a very flexible and performant environment for the service, especially for the for the AI like powered services. And we recognize like JavaScript probably the best language, but the only thing lacking is the multi-threading and the shared memory. With a lot of like study on different languages, including Lua and so on. Actually we think like a JavaScript really need to. 
analyst power, and we, we can actually build great services on top of JavaScript. So this is really interesting to me because I'm hearing two different topics. One, that JavaScript as a language is very flexible and that's appealing. And in order to write some kinds of services, you, you want that flexibility and perhaps the ecosystem that it brings along. And then the second thing I heard from Anna was that it is a way to get around what I consider one of Node and JavaScript's biggest weaknesses. People always mention the Fibonacci problem because JavaScript is single-threaded, and this sounds like a way to kind of get rid of that argument which comes up again and again, but is it's sticking with us. I guess I want to ask Anna first on your topic about computationally heavy tasks that this multi-threading lets you work with. Did you have specific use cases you wanted to improve when you were getting this going? Okay, so th this might be a bit more of a personal thing. So like a year ago or so, I started adding a coverage tooling to Node-Car, which we didn't have before it's like it's kind of hard to do if you like actually want to do coverage for the runtime itself. So one of the things that we had to do in order to get that was like we have a like by now we have about two thousand test scripts. So like we have like I don't know some somewhere around three four thousand processes node processes that are being executed as part of the of our test suite. And so like each of each one of those generates its own coverage file with all the coverage data for that single single thing. And it actually took a long time to merge all of these files together, which like kind of was surprising, like a full two minutes or so. And it was like, yeah, but this is just like merging data together and like there there has to be a better way to do that. I, I actually haven't tried it out, but like that was my initial motivation for like, yeah, I wanna build this for Node. And I, I would assume that we can do that kind of thing a lot faster. Okay. And Dai, you were talking about services. Is there a specific service model or use case that you're looking for when you're talking about threading? Uh, yeah. Actually, we started with the scenario how actually we can do the real high performance like a feature uh, generation in a, in a Bing, uh, Microsoft Bing search. So we have very tight budget say like a, a few milliseconds. So we're going to have thousands of like machine learning features to generate. One advantage we can get a dynamic language is how we can bind these functions together and we'll be able to use like runtime code generation and so on. But it's just a matter of how actually we can orchestrate in these threads in JavaScript because not only we need the multi-threading capability, but also we need to know the huge like data models for example, each um, thread, they, they need to access to some like a read-only model that is like one gigabyte or so on. So it's totally unaffordable to have multiple process. Otherwise, we are going, not going to have enough memory. We, we started with we just thinking about our own scenario, and we haven't thought about like eventually we're going to have LabJS. Just things just begin to evolve, and, and eventually we let it here. Okay, that's really impressive. <laughs> I was not expecting to hear multiple gigabytes of data, machine learning, and one of the biggest search engines. But that's really cool. I guess my question after hearing that and that multiple processes don't 
work for your use cases. For the two of you, what what does this compare to when we're looking at cluster from Node or using child processes with things like dot .fork? So I will start first, probably. I, uh, we're looking into like a little cluster. I think two years ago when we started the project, the major concern for us actually is the shared memory. So because the, the data models, they are loaded in memory and they are not uh, in a complete flat form. So you can share like a, a flat memory between the processes, but it's really hard to share like structured data across. So this is the blocker for us to use the cluster. And uh, actually the communication between threads uh, are also smaller than uh, between, the process, uh, between the process, but that's not the major issue we had. So yeah, like com comparing to like, so like the, the thing that Napa does that my workers implementation doesn't is like we, we don't actually share structured data in any way. You can pass it between workers, like you can do between web workers, uses the same underlying mechanism. But like in the end, it's all passing around buffers and like you can share memory, you have shared array buffer available. But yeah, that's lacking. And so like the, the big thing that, that you get from, from having workers since over cluster or fork is like the, the low startup overhead, like starting a thread is nicer than starting a whole process. And well, yeah, shadow array buffer support. That, that's the other big thing. Like that, that is essentially all that you can get from from that implementation. Yes, well, actually, on sharing, there's some more interesting thing. Maybe we can touch later. Like uh, because like uh, like uh, like Ella said, like the shadow array buffer gave us a huge advantage in multi threading. And there's also a lot of like add-on. They are going to some some of the add-on actually share the same structure in the C plus plus. So they will be able to share the underlying C++ structure underlying. Like in, in search, that's especially our case, because we have a lot of data structure shared across modules. So we just use JavaScript to pass them as handles. OK, so that that's interesting. I'm guessing you could do the same with WebAssembly, kind of sharing this threaded data structure in WebAssembly and doing things. because. At least I think that's the hope, is WebAssembly gets you all the features that C++ could give you for Node. Stepping back a little bit, Anna, you spoke about speeding up tests. In my work, we, we do have an actual bottleneck on tests, because we run so many that it is very slow and actually prohibitive enough that we don't run them all the time. We have to queue them manually sometimes. So I, I don't think that's a very personal concern of yours, but I do think that this kind of goal that you're seeking of doing these things could have a huge number of effects. Have either of you talked to any of the bundlers? Because I know people are using Webpack or I guess even the package managers in how they can use your APIs. No to that question, but I did actually talk to... Isaac Schluter, who does a lot of things, but he also maintains TAP in particular, like the test framework TAP. We could definitely improve that a lot with, with workers. And the the other thing is like, we probably wouldn't even need to have threading for that. It might be nice to have, but essentially you can, if you, if you know how to do it, you can generate a separate node instance Inside the same thread, inside the same process, you get a different event loop, different process object, different everything, but like they, they share 
you don't have to spin up a new thread or even or a new process or anything for that. Like something like that in Node would be pretty cool. Like workers would be a way to like get pretty close to it. And Dai, you were you were talking about these large data models. I know some people have started getting really interested in machine learning. Is it public the machine learning libraries that you're using? Uh, there are a lot of like machine learning libraries people can already use. There's a lot of open source, like the Boost Decision Tree. Even the TensorFlow could have some models. So I think in the machine learning world, it's pretty general problem that we need to load up big, big, big models. And do you think Napa.js, well, I guess if you have access to C++, Napa.js can work with all of these. Oh, okay. That's, that's great to hear. I guess there's one last topic I, I'd like to talk about in this little segment before we get on to a little deeper, more implementation-specific information. Do you, either of you think that JavaScript will be competitive as a computation-heavy language when we get multi-threading and shared memory? Just as a whole, I think Python is really where people have been going to for this kind of thing. But do you think that JavaScript will be as competitive as other languages? I think the answer to that is clear, yes. In part because like it's it's... Of all the high-level languages, it's like the fastest. I think that's actually kind of fair to say. And like one thing that might be really nice before we can like definitely say yes to that answer is uh, to the question is having bigint or 64 anything that supports 64-bit integer support. Um, but like that's coming too, whenever. But it's coming, and yeah. Yeah, I share the same opinion with Anna. I'm just fascinated about the JavaScript language. I think especially these days, TypeScript is also picking up because like uh, TypeScript also adds some hints for what types we're going to optimize. And we find a you know, very interesting way to do program. Like previously, it's just like uh, everything dynamic language, everything is dynamic data type, and or everything is just very structured data type. Now you, you, you can have a balance, say, I, what, for what's, what I want to be static, the, the, the actually the the runtime actor can, can optimize it like v8 they have a lot of optimization on top of it and uh, if i want to have like a very flexible data they still can can fit into the any type like in the typescript so i i think from language perspective i think it's so powerful i really believe that a statement like a, any like a, any any code like eventually could be re- written in JavaScript, it eventually be written in JavaScript, but just because of the productivity and the flexibility of the language. And comparing to Python, what I learned is actually JavaScript or TypeScript is the more scalable language than the Python in, in like a writing large scale software. And also kind of the implementation, the performance is much better than Python. So even in a scientific world, Python is used a lot in an offline data pipeline but not very many companies use Python as online services. But I do see a big benefit for JavaScript to run online because it can also you know, co- cooperate with the C++. Basically, you can put a really computing heavy part in C++, then JavaScript language be- becomes a very, very good application level language. And it can orchestrate in all these things, especially with the threads. So I think this has a lot of potential in this area. Yeah, it's like just like to add upon that last thing that you said. So like I'm currently maintaining a a bindings library for Node for libLZMAs, like compression library that is 
it's pretty heavy compression. And it's like one thing that like I would absolutely love to see is like porting the multi-threading parts of that to shared array buffer and web work and not web work to shared array buffer and wasm. Just like that would be so amazing to have. Just Okay, I think it's a good time for us to get ready to talk about some more implementation-specific stuff. We've kind of covered everything about why we want threads, what we think threads are going to give us, and how both of you are seeking to use them. Let's talk about the APIs in just a sec. But before we do that, I'd like to give us a break and hear a little bit from our sponsor, DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean has just launched Spaces, a beautifully simple object storage service designed for developers who want a simple way to store and serve a vast amount of data, including hosting web assets, storing user-generated content such as images and large media files, archiving backups in the cloud, and storing logs. They've simplified the essentials of object storage to save you time. Name your space and tap Create, and you're ready to go in seconds or use your favorite storage management tools and libraries. A large ecosystem of S3-compatible tools and libraries can be used to manage your space. We believe in simplifying our products to enable developers to build great software. To do that, we look at every opportunity to remove friction from the development process, including spending less time estimating costs associated with storage, transfer, pricing tiers, number of requests, and regional pricing. Spaces is available for a simple $5 per month and includes 250 gigabytes of storage and 1 terabyte of outbound bandwidth. There are no costs per requests and additional storage is priced at the lowest rate available. 1 cent per gigabyte transferred and 2 cents per gigabyte stored. Uploads are free. Spaces provides cost savings for up to 10 times along with predictable pricing and no surprises on your monthly bill. To make it easy to try, both new and existing DigitalOcean customers can get started with a free two-month trial of spaces by going to do.co slash Okay, so we're back, and we're, we're wanting to talk about threads, but I, I need to kind of get a handle on what sort of APIs we'll be able to use and what sort of limitations we have on these APIs. It sounds like Napa.js and IOJS or IO have two different implementations, and that probably brings different capabilities between the implementations. So I guess I'm just going to go between you and kind of ask what you can do with your threads, what it's based on, and what, what are the goals. And let's just go for a high-level overview, and then we can break it down once we can compare them and see how they fit in everyone's use cases. So if you don't mind, Anna, could you start with IO's workers? Yeah, sure. Okay, so like one thing that a lot of people might not know about Node is that one of the somewhat goals of Node is to be embeddable. It's like you can actually use it as a scripting environment for whatever C++ program that you're writing. And yeah, so like having having that as a goal by node means that one of the obvious attempts at implementing workers is basically just like to take that and embed node into node, just like 
have that second instance run on a separate thread. thread. And that is that is pretty much what we're doing. The like there there hasn't been much effort on like having that capability of node like embeddability have that tested or I don't know if any large consumers of that. It's kind of like nobody's really pushing for that. So yeah, like a lot of the work that went into this implementation was actually just making node ready to be more embeddable to like have proper cleanup at the end because like currently node is just like it's a single process and it you know it doesn't have to do much cleanup at the end when node exits because you know the process exits as well and just like every resource is going to be cleaned up anyway so like that was something that i had to take care of a lot and apart from that it's basically just what i said it's embedding node into node you get almost the entire node api available inside workers that means you can you can use all the node core modules some of the capabilities of process are changed or of the process object are changed limited for example like process.exit is it's just going to exit the current thread not the entire process or you can change environment variables from a thread because you know you get into like I guess you could allow that and like have access to those like controlled through through mutexes or something. Just like it doesn't seem like the kind of thing that we want to enable. I don't know. Like it's not implementing the the web worker API, but we do implement message part and message channel and build upon that. So we we get pretty close to web workers, and you could definitely implement that on top of it as an npm module or something. So like that's also very nice about it. Okay, sounds like that is basically what we were talking about before with the idea of having multiple, essentially, node processes when we're running tests or something, being able to isolate them and thread them. So before we dig into details, I, I'd like to go and try to discuss what Napa.js or is it Napa.js? I'm sorry. What it does for its implementation to achieve multi-threading. Dai, could you talk about what APIs are available and what kind of the environment that you're executing code is for threads? So there's two aspects of Napa.js. First of all, it's like how it's built, how it's deployed or distributed. So first of all, because we start this from scratch, it doesn't depend on the low.js code. It's directly on top of like a V8, the JavaScript engine underlying. So we supported like embedding it in a host process from the very beginning, because actually our use case is just to embedding it in a C++ environment. And later we, we actually realized that it's very important. We can have this as a load module, then actually we distribute it in, as NPM module. From the API perspective, we are really focusing on the concepts. So there is the concept of zone that basically you can think of it as a container. So basically a container can contain multiple workers or threads. So each thread actually, they, then you can treat them as equal. They don't maintain their own state. So a user can use arbitrary thread to do their work. That's the idea. So you can also have multiple zones. That means you can have multiple containers. They can load different code, they do different things. So in this case, you can probably, if your work, work uh, type there's a multiple work type. You can actually assign different containers for different work types. That is very efficient that every JavaScript isolate 
we don't have to load all the, all the code to run their services. So also on top of Zong, there are two concepts that are very important. One is like how we transport the, the values across the, the threads. Basically, we want to make like uh, the experience just as you are passing them in the in the same same threads. Like uh, you can passing all the primitive JavaScript uh, values to other threads, and you can also pass like a uh, the shared array buffer. Now we are working on, on that, and there's also a lot of add-on types. Basically, there's very very uh, like a small cost on the on the copy and so on. Uh, but there's also some limitations. For example, if you're going to pass a function from a thread to another thread, you're allowed to be able to carry the, the, the closure information and so on. So the, the other thing is like a synchronization. So we also like a added a fun functionality for synchronization. Basically, eventually, when you touch about multi-threading, you're going to deal with the synchronization. So when we design this API, we actually very carefully design it. We don't really want to, people don't have like a multi-threading background to use it in a bad manner. Basically, we use API to avoid like deadlock and so on. There's a bunch of things in Napa.js, but I think that the major limitation today actually is because we don't actually depend on the Node.js code. There's a lot of Node.js APIs we haven't supported yet. For example, like uh, uh, the file or read file sync, this kind of thing. Actually, there are a lot of feedback coming, and we are, depending on the usage, adding this kind of modules in Napa.js because our goal is not really Com compete with Node.js, so we are really want to like address only the computation-heavy spectrum. So we are al almost taking an approach like what modules are most depend on and used by some computation-heavy modules. We're going to implement them. Yeah, that's that's uh, the high-level APIs for Node.js. So it sounds like we we've mentioned locking in both those in a way. Anna, you mentioned semaphores, mutexes. Dai, you mentioned synchronization. There is a JavaScript object that's coming and is available called Atomics. I'm curious if either of you have thoughts on Atomics. I know in the browser, they actually ban some functions because Atomics essentially allow you to do this kind of locking that both of you were talking about, where you can actually stop a thread but the browser would never want you to do that on the main thread, for example. So in the same way that we can do computationally heavy tasks, what, what strategies are there to pause tasks that may need more input for these different APIs that you have? I could give an example like we use in our scenario. For example, if we are serving the data models, so basically we have one data model to load, but we have multiple threads. So only the first request come into the service, we're going to load that model. So there's actually that risk condition. So basically, we need a synchronization method to ensure that the data, data file is loaded only once. So before that is loaded, all other pending requests should be waiting the load to complete. So uh, as far as I understand, there's two kind of log. One is like uh, you want to guard a pro like a procedure. They make sure that they enter just once. And uh, there's also some like um, finer uh, atomics, like uh, make sure when you upgrade, uh, update a data, that the data actually is updated like uh, in a exclusive uh, manner. I think we we provided the the API for both. Anna, have have you worked with atomics before? I think it it might just 
work if you have shared array buffer? It it does. It does. And I th I think I wrote tests for that and stuff. Like I I haven't used it in production code for anything, but uh, it definitely does work. You mentioned like locking threads up and like not allowing the, the main thread to be locked, you know, because like you obviously don't want to do that in browsers. So I, I looked a bit into that and like uh, essentially like if you want to lock the main thread and note, I mean like it's not going to stop you. It's just like you can do it if you really want for whatever reason. One thing that I tried to look into a bit was like actually detecting that locks. You, you obviously can't do that like completely deterministically, but you can get pretty close. And it's like I what I did was like I patched V8. I have a patch for that available that just like gives you hooks into like to tell the the embedder or whatever like when atomics.wait is entered when it is exited the node itself, or IO in that case, knows when a shared array buffer is passed along, like when somebody waits on a shared array buffer. So you can, you actually have all the information you need to tell, okay, they're like to catch 99% of deadlocks just like by having these hooks available. And I, I think that would be really, really cool to have because, you know, like a lot of people felt uneasy about adding like new texts or atomics.wait and family to JavaScript is like doesn't quite feel right and like I share that sentiment just like it would be nice to actually avoid these kind of like problems the classical problems that you have with other applications as, as good as you can and like I, I think we should at least enable that as an option even if it comes with a bit of performance overhead just like something that people are going to want it's like if you have ever debugged a an actual threading deadlock, you know, just like that—that that isn't fun. And if if we can make it easier and more JavaScripty, then we should. We we've talked a bit about the APIs that we can use to interact between the threads. What does loading code into threads look like? I know it can take some time to parse and compile JavaScript code from scratch, but at the same time, you do want a lot of flexibility whenever you're loading up a specific worker or something. Anna, you said that your worker's implementation gives you essentially everything you can do in the main thread. So I'm guessing for IO, you can use require and everything as normal? Yeah, you can re use require and everything, and it does the exact same thing. So like, I don't know if your question was hinting at that, but it will parse the scripts again if you require stuff multiple times in different threads. One very nice thing about IO is that if you build a native add-on for for it and you, ex you explicitly have to opt in, you have to pass a flag that says, okay, this add-on is, is ready to be used with workers, but you can do that. You can actually build and load, load native add-ons for, for those threading capabilities. Dai, it sounded like yours is much more compartmentalized with this idea of containers and containers containing threads. So what is it? Can you just walk me through loading code into these containers and maybe into the threads within the containers? Yep. We provide a API called broadcast. So basically, you can broadcast any code in JavaScript to prepare these workers for you. So in the code, of course, you can use require. It's the standard way like we use in Node.js. 
Okay, so that's nice and easy. I mean, I think most people are familiar with how to use require. And so are there any real prohibited APIs we should avoid? Anna, you spoke about process environment. Are there any things that we've considered like dangerous so you can't use them or parts of modules that have been disabled? Can you talk about why they were disabled? I think we went over process environment, but are there other ones? So like it's basically the APIs that actually like have to take care of the of the process itself. So like for example, process.abort is not available, you know, because like it doesn't you can't actually control a single worker or a single thread with that. Um, you cannot run process.ch tier, change tier, change the working directory because that also affects the entire process. Like set GID, set UID, those functions that like all, everything that basically sets the entire state for the process that just like would affect more than the current worker and that existing code, which, which you know, wouldn't make the assumption that that it also affects other threads. It would break that code. So like, I actually went and okay. At least for now, we're going to disable that. And like, if somebody really wants it and has a proper use case for it, you know, there might be some way to opt into it. But who has actually seen code that calls process.setUID a note, right? I, I might be one of the few. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, Dai. This is a very different topic, but I, I suddenly had some thoughts. You said you were passing handles between threads. So does that mean you could do something like, let's say I had an HTTP stream, which in Node generates JavaScript values, uses JavaScript functions. I, I don't think you have the same stuff in your work with Bing, but it, could I, for example, pass that HTTP stream to another thread and then have the other thread control it rather than create values on the main thread and then pass them to the worker thread. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, that's, I think that's the idea. So basically, if you are passing pure JavaScript object, we, we cannot really, you know, let you to just access the memory because like every V8 isolate, they have their own heap for the JavaScript object. But actually, for a lot of like the I/O-based modules, they have the C++ wrapper inside, right? So they actually maintain their their memory inside. So basically, you'll be able to pass the handle just like a C++ pointer to another thread. They'll be able to be able to deal with it. I think a very interesting effort we did in in Napa actually is the lifecycle management for objects. For example, if you have created a add-on object in thread A. And you pass that object in thread B, and if that uh, thread A, you know, just uh, do garbage collection on that object, that that's actually the lifecycle of the object get extended in the lifecycle B, in, in a thread B. So that is just automatic managed by the share pointer underlying. So so we want to really make make sure like the message passing, especially for add-on, is very very cheap, because our our scenario depends on this kind of pattern significantly. I think I'd like to move on a bit past the implementation at this point and kind of talk about future and probably ask some questions which are completely the wrong direction. But things that I've been kind of brewing or thinking about as we've been talking about all these things. 
both of you have mentioned cross-processes as being something that's either wasteful or doesn't suit your needs. But do you think it would be able to, you would be able to create a similar, if not the same API so that you could use processes instead of threads for these new things like shared array buffer? For a bit of context, in, in part like as to why the work that I've been doing is happening in a Fargraph node, there are people inside node that like have been collaborators for a long time who think that that would actually be a better approach to the problem in general, like implementing shared array buffer in a cross-platform way, which is going to take some work, but where it actually shares memory between processes and not between threads. You know, you, that is understandable because, like, you you actually don't have to have to forbid people from using any API, and I don't know, a crash in one, like, an actual hard crash in one thread is not going to affect any of the others, and so like that kind of stuff. And you know, it's it's reasonable to think that that might be a good idea. I just like I think the I think it's not worth it, and like I think threading is like a reasonable approach. And, cuts down startup time which is like something that people care about but yeah you could do that i feel the same like especially your uh, scenario is not really memory bound so you can actually find out to the multiple multiple load processes and you can get all the api yeah it's just like a really depends on your scenario so it sounds like if we were to have such an API, we, we would still use more memory than threads, and we, we'd probably have larger startup times, which in the beginning was something we were talking about are part of the advantages of threads. So, so maybe, maybe threads have a different use case is what it sounds like than child processes, even if the reusing of the same API is reasonable. Uh, I actually feel like uh, this difference is, is not like a very high level. It's probably more related to the implementation because like from con concept perspective, usually is more uh, care about like a parallel computing. And if the API can give them the enough access to this kind of par paradigm, I think the implementation is the major thing. Like uh, given our current design and the legacy modules, how we actually choose them wisely and different like, uh, scenarios. Okay, so talking about parallel processing and things, I guess there's one last point I'd like to have in this conversation, which is, Dai, you mentioned you want to reduce the cost of passing objects between threads as much as possible. Can you just discuss the difference between using a shared array buffer and your message passing implementation, which it sounds like can copy functions and objects and other things as well? So I think the shared array buffer is really a good thing. It utilizes the, the same memory across multiple threads. It's a very good scenario if you're going to pass an array like thing. But there's some cases you cannot only depends on flat data memory structure. For example, if you have a C++ structure for some for like a full bar, some structure like that, and you want to expose JavaScript uh, method from that structure, so basically that object don't have be don't have to be copied 
across methods, then you will have a way like how you're going to share the, the underlying C++ structure among multiple threads and, and the life cycle. And uh, as I know, as I know today, like a share array buffer, the life cycle um, um, probably is maintained by the by the main thread. But I, but I, but I could be wrong. But I think we really think about like uh, either a way like uh, we can just uh, based on usage to manage the life cycle based on their reference counting and so on. But I believe if we want to really make JavaScript thrive in a computation-heavy scenario, we must really work hard to reduce the the the, the cost on the message passing. Anna, does that sound similar to what you have in your very different implementation? Well, something like in in my implementation, you, I'm not sure like actually how. Um, I, I would probably have to look into Napa's implementation details, like how to see, uh, just seeing how it's actually implemented. Like I said, what I'm doing is exactly what web workers are doing in Chrome. Like it uses the same V8 IPS and everything for when you actually do a post message call. If you want to share array buffers, that's just like, you have that available. But just like if you're passing objects, you're you're going to have that deserialization and serialization step and I'm not sure, like, actually, I guess if it's fast enough for Chrome, it's going to be fast enough for Node users. Just like, I didn't even do much benchmarking. Is it like one of, we, we actually ran, ran one of the benchmarks that we have for a cluster against the workers implementation. Like, it was a 50% speed up or so. So that, that's pretty nice. Um, it sounds like we have most of the performance things we want for message passing, but there's still a lot to improve potentially, which we can look forward to the future about that, I guess. But with this, I think we're going to probably wrap it up. There's a lot for me to take in, and I probably want to go read up on both of these a bit more. I'm sure some listeners also feel the same. So we have a section at the end where we always plug things and so i'd like to see if either of you have anything you want to plug but while while you're thinking i i'll go ahead and plug just being a worker in the tech community is very stressful so i i'd recommend everybody out there who is super stressed go sit down with some tea, cider, coffee, whatever you want to drink. Find some time to just sit down, read a book, close your eyes, listen to an audiobook or something, and just like spend five, ten minutes, maybe more, and try to unwind and, you know, just take a breath. Because I personally have had some stressful times and doing that has really helped me calm down and hopefully it helps others as well so is there anything either of you would like to plug it's like after you said that i i kind of feel bad for plugging this particular thing <clears throat> but i actually want to go with the technical thing an api for node it's a new native c or c or whatever language you want add-on api for node it's really cool at least the C++ variant is it's much closer to what you'd expect a native API for JavaScript to be if you come from the JavaScript world and not from the 
engine implementation slash spec writer world, which like the V8 people live in. It's yeah, I think the biggest advantage is just like it's such a nice API compared to what we already have. And apart from that, you you, you get ABI stability that's hopefully going to last forever, or at least as long as Node exists, which is also really, really nice. I, I've heard people say that the biggest biggest obstacle to upgrading from Node 0 dot something to current versions, supported versions in particular, is like add-ons that just like don't compile or need to like need extensive upgrading and yeah that's what i want to plug because like we we are not gonna have that problem anymore and i'm really excited about it yeah i want to plug something i want to echo bradley's point like uh yeah while we're dealing with really hard uh technical problems like uh, relaxing ourselves so you know why we name the lapages because uh, in California, we really enjoy the, the wine from the Lapa Valley. So if you are visiting uh, California, do make a visit to the Lapa Valley. Okay, well, with all those in mind, we have a few more things that we can do. But with that, we're going to wrap it up for today. If you're listening, be sure to follow at NodeUp on Twitter. And if you want to be a sponsor... You can always email noteup at gmail.com for more info. It's easy. Yeah, it's easy. I don't know. I'm very relaxed after my plug. Uh, (laughs) But with that, I'll see everybody at the next podcast. So thank you. Bye.